Welcome to this week's episode of Sooner Catholic Podcast. Alex, how are you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing good, bro. It's good to be here with you. Looking forward to the next 20 minutes, and yeah, let's get into it, BB. That's huge. That's huge. I, I always, always love being referred to as a BB. Um, big fan of BB guns when I was younger. No, I'm just um, So today, we're going to be talking about last night's Holy Ground stock um, on the eve of April Fool's, and, and more importantly, on the eve of the Triduum, um, on the eve of Holy Thursday. Um, we're talking about how to have crucial conversations, why they're needed, and how to go about them. Um, Alex, there was a big surprise for you last night uh, as you were going into the talk. How did you feel about said surprise? The people want to know. All right. To, to anyone who, who doesn't know, um, I'm, I'm about to start the talk. And, and as I do, I, I hear a whole bunch of zippers being unzipped. And, and I'm super confused. And I look up and I just see a, a sea of my own face. <laughs> and everyone is just wearing shirts with my face on it. And it was a really, really, really good April Fool's joke. And, yeah, dude, I was so speechless. I was floored. <laughs> I felt I felt loved and, like, just overwhelmed and, like, what is this? It was such an elaborate moment to, to pull off. So it was beautiful, wonderful, and I just was left feeling like, what the heck? <laughs> dude, it was, it was funny. Um, yeah, I, I think they pretty much just put it in the group me outright where they said, you know, like like this message you're in on uh, April Fool's joke for Alex, and you were like, what is this? But obviously, you didn't get added to the Alex is the April Fool group me until after last night. But what a beautiful night. Um, but not to take us away from a really important topic. So I was going to ask you what your takeaways were, but you gave the talk, so I'll give some takeaways. <laughs> um, yeah, one thing I was really um, <clears throat> reflecting on as you were talking about crucial conversations last night is just the weight that they play in – uh, reconciliation is what you talked about, right? So, so I think about even the example that Austin kind of teased out when he was um, introing for you and, and emceeing for you, and then whenever you you d- dug into it a little bit more, is like, I mean, you talked about the example of Judas, right? And imagining if Judas had had a crucial conversation with Jesus to like speak actually how he's feeling, you know, maybe maybe he was really upset with the way that Jesus was handling the money, right? When whenever you have the woman come and pour the oil and the fragrance on him and it's like over 300 days wages. And he's like, what, like, why'd you do this? You know? Um, so maybe there is some, some resentment or some sort of like disagreement or something that's built mm-hmm. up there that he could have actually like dug into with Jesus. And I'm not saying that's the only reason, obviously there, there are unknown reasons that, that, you know, go deeper than what we actually know about why Judas like eventually betrayed the Lord. Um, but if I, I can look at my own life and even see times that like led into, to, yeah, some kind of like, hurt or some kind of pain and i can see yeah a lot of times this was the result of me avoiding a conversation that i was afraid to have or me avoiding a conversation that i was too lazy to have one that i wasn't invested you know all these different reasons um so i guess it it just struck me to see the weights that those conversations often can have in relationships if you're willing to just like freaking go for it um to go in planned because we talked about how unplanned ones are not great, but but to, to like send it and to not be afraid. And I've seen a couple times in my life, I can think of two particular encounters where I sat down with men that were close to me and, and tried to engage in fraternal correction through like a crucial conversation where I was like, Hey, like I see. And, and I did the exact thing you were talking about where I sat down and was like, look, this is, um, you know, you know, I love you, you know, I care about you and I'm here to be your best, like to be one of your best friends and like to be a mentor and like a role model to you. I mean, I've, I've been hearing about this and it makes me worried about this. Like, you know, what do you have to say about it? Um, and it, it was funny cause I didn't have, I didn't have the script that, yeah. um, but it more or less went like that. And, and both of them didn't end necessarily some beautiful resolution, 
But months later, both men thanked me for those conversations I had with them because it was like something they needed to hear to be challenged on. So yeah, I guess a good question, Alex, is like mm-hmm. reflecting deeper, right? What are, what are some the crucial conversations you can think about? Like any particular examples from your life that were actually like really, um, you can look back on now and be like, wow, this changed like this relationship or this part of me like forever. Oh, man, it's so good. Yeah, again, I think I, I can think of, of a few that uh, I can think of one one that I received and one that I gave and and both were done so well in a spirit of like, humility and gentleness and just having the big picture, right, of like um, I, I love you and, and I want what's best for you and, and let's talk about something that uh, I don't think is leading to that is essentially what it is, right? Um, and again, it's not about the result. It's not about the 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 end the end goal of of doing or changing or accomplishing. It's about the relationship. So, uh, the two I can think of one on the receiving end was this man named Kenny, and and this conversation was so big that Kenny like is and will always be one of my closest friends because of this conversation. And and so I I, I remember it was a few years ago at one of the new staff trainings in Focus and. Um, and I was with Kenny, and I was talking with him, and we were walking around, and we were, we were making plans for later that night. Like, yeah, we can, we can go do this and this. And 10 minutes later, after we've made essentially like plans together, right, and we're like, yeah, that'd be really fun, uh, There's a, there was a married man who came up to me who I was friends with. He was a really cool guy, and, and he was like, hey, Alex, like me and some of the other uh, like dads going to get together and talk about like what it's like to live fatherhood and mission um, and just be a husband, that kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, like I felt like. Like that would be awesome. Like I, I want that kind of conversation, and I, so I told him like, dude, I'll be there. Like you just like you name the place and, and the time, and, and I'll be there. And uh, and Kenny was sitting right there, right. And uh, I just got caught up in the moment, and Kenny like pulled me aside, and he literally did almost exactly the the model we talked to through yesterday, right? Which is, um, he he saw me and he knew it was most important. He started with mutual purpose, like common ground. He clarified intent. He he talked about what he wanted this conversation to lead to. He talked about his experience and then he talked about the, the emotional effects and the relational effects and then encouraged me to respond, right? That's kind of the, the structure. So he sat me down. He was like, Alex, um, I know that you and I are both trying to be the best men that we can be. And I want to just share something with you that I, I think would would help you and that, that might be inhibiting that right now. And he's like, he's like, can I, can I share something with you? And I was like, yeah. And, and so he, he shared that and he said, man, just earlier, like you, you told me that, um, that we were going to be hanging out tonight. And, um, he's like, it's not so much that like, I feel like hurt or rejected, uh, or like I feel betrayed or anything like that because you said you'd hang out with this other guy. It, it's just like, I, I want you to be a man of your word. Like I want you, like I want your word as a man to mean something. And so I want to hold you to that. Um, to spending that time with me because you told me that you would. Like, what do you think? And I was floored, dude. Like, I had never had another man talk to me like that. Not correcting, not, uh, like, you know, angry. Or fr- like, it wasn't, like, a, a purely, purely, like, emotional knee-jerk reaction. And it wasn't even, like, hey, you're not virtuous. It was, like, man, I'm your brother. And as your brother, like, I know it's truly for your good, even as weird as it feels maybe as inauthentic as it would feel now. Like, I, w- I want you to honor your word to me because at the end of the day, all we have is our word. Like, would you do that? 
and it was so beautiful, dude. And I, I never looked at Kenny like the same way again. I was like, dude, this is my brother for life. Like, I've never had someone speak to me like this. And I want to have someone who speaks to me like this in my life forever. And so it's been years later and I cherish that relationship. Okay, that's one story on the receiving end. And I'll always value Kenny and I can't, I'm going to send him this podcast afterwards and be like, dude, you got to listen. Um, the second was uh, a, a a teammate um, the, uh, of mine a few years back when I was in Focus. And, and there were just problems left and right. Like that year on the team, he was constantly getting in, into arguments and disputes with other teammates and they were bringing me frustrations and they're like, hey, so-and-so is just making things really, really difficult. And and they were annoyed and frustrated and angry and all this kind of stuff. And so, uh, yeah, I was just like, I don't know where to start. Like there's so many withdrawals happening, like, like Austin talked about yesterday, like emotional withdrawals happening with everybody on the team. And in all kinds of situations and it's like so overwhelming and I don't want to kitchen sink and be like this is wrong and this is wrong and this is wrong and this is wrong so I sat on this for like weeks and I was like I was like ah lord help me pinpoint like what it is that I can point to that would that it's like it would be like the biggest leverage point for this conversation like help me find the root of all of these things so that I can understand how to have this conversation and I was reading a book and I think it's like um it was about a professor from Carnegie um, who dies of cancer, and it's like his final like months of life. He writes about it, right? And so I was reading this, and I wasn't expecting to find anything, but all of a sudden I read it, and he's like, <laughs> he talks about this professor. He's like, my life changed when my uncle pulled me aside and essentially had a crucial conversation with me. And he's like, he's like, um, Tim, you know that I love you. And he walks through, he literally walks through a crucial conversation. He's like, you know that I love you, and there's one thing I just like I I want for you to know. And it's like, it's, it's, it's the most underlying problem, I think, with, with where you're at right now. And I just have to tell you, like, Tim, I think that you care more about being right than being kind. And that was it. And he said for him hearing that, like, unlocked his life. Like, and I was like, I realized, like, that is, like, that is the fundamental issue with my teammate. Like, that's it. He cares more about being right and being kind. And it's coming out in a whole bunch of different situations. And I went back to my teammate and I saw him in his wholeness and I saw that he was trying and I saw that he was working with what he had. And we had a conversation again, like the mutual purpose, clarifying intent. I was just like, dude, this is what we've been, what we've been experiencing, man. And I just feel like you care more about being right than being kind. And that conversation changes life. It, he will always go back to that conversation. And, and that's like his motto now. He's like, okay, I'm slipping back into being right over being kind. Yeah. And he carries that with him forever, you know? And it's like to this day, years later, he goes back to that. So crucial conversations, like like you said, with with your friend and with these guys, like, I mean, it has the it has the potential to change lives, and that yeah. and that and that psychs me up. And I talk with both those guys, and the, both those conversations happened more than three or four years ago. And I talk with both those guys in the last two weeks. Like that's that's the kind of relationships that crucial conversations lead to when they're done well, which is cool. Yeah. What are your thoughts? <clears throat> yeah, I th- I think like. A lot of the times um, we avoid one thing I've seen in, in myself, like a tendency to avoid these kind of conversations is because I, I, f- I feel like I haven't uh, won the right to be heard. Um, and I think that like often there is a reality to we need like the reason that often the street preacher is not as effective as like, you know, the person that you're friends with that like shares the gospel with you is because of trust. Um, 
And so, yeah, I, I actually come here not having a lot of answers, right? Like how, how do you discern like in relationships, especially ones that maybe aren't as like intimate to you, like as a teammate or as like, um, right. you know, someone that it, like, so Kenny maybe is a good example of this, right? Cause he took you aside and presumably you weren't like the best of friends, right. but, but how do you enter into a crucial conversation with someone when there, when there's a sense of like, it's not one of your best friends. Like it's someone that like you have a good relationship with, but you definitely don't haven't like completely won their trust. Like what, what does that look like to have that conversation in that place? Yeah. I, I think again, for every one good crucial conversation, there's probably 99 bad ones behind it that have served as like a, an opportunity to learn right so i've had i mean story after story of bad bad ones on receiving and giving um but this idea of like how how do you know when it when it's appropriate or when it's not or the kind of relationship that's appropriate to have them or not um i think i I don't have all the answers either but i i do look back and i see that there were times where someone was doing something that made me frustrated or uncomfortable and i was going to have the conversation more out of that than for their good right and i think that's something that is is a good fundamental lesson to learn is like okay am i having this conversation purely because it makes me uncomfortable or angry or frustrated or is it truly for their good so that they can flourish and grow and 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 live more fully and i remember like there was one time uh, a few years ago where there's this there's this um fraternity guy that was always hanging around he was always cussing and talking about inappropriate stuff and i was just like I was about to burn the bridge before we ever crossed it. You know, I was going to I was going to call him out on that because I was so anti like cussing at that time and maybe uncomfortable. And I know that if I would have done that, it would have been a withdrawal before we even got to deeper stuff. And then months later, after just accepting that as it was, he started to share way deeper things. And again, like yeah, <laughs> that relationship changed and he's fully like in the Catholic Church and his girlfriend came back to the Catholic Church and her dad did. And they baptized their kid just recently in the Catholic church and he's married, live in mission in Colorado. Like everything changed. Right. But had I just had like been like a, a knee jerk reaction of, Hey, this makes me uncomfortable or frustrated. Let's talk about that. Um, rather than like what, what is really for his good and like waiting patiently to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that comes to mind. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I, I've seen like, I've seen times in my life where I've tried to have these kind of conversations and they don't go well because I, because I actually like, have skipped the stage of like earning trust. Right. So like, um, there are, are, are people that I've met that like, I, you know, I see, like we start hanging out, we have a desire to like grow in friendship, but then at some point I see something that's just like really needs to be addressed and like, like a, a place in their life where they're, they don't have conformity at all to like the gospel or to, to like putting Jesus in the center of their life, but they're like professing that they want to. So I have this conversation and, but then I like backfires and there's actually a withdrawal mm-hmm. and, and, and there's, you know, withdrawal isn't always bad because I can I can look at the examples of the ones I mentioned in the beginning. Two of my best friends now, at the time, were two of my best friends. Withdrawal happened not in the sense like we continued to hang out, but they didn't really like practice or even like change the things that we had spoke about. Right. Um, some of the particular vices that they were falling into, like those didn't actually change for months. Um, but it was months later that one of the guys pulled me aside and said, "Hey, actually, like, thank you for challenging me on you know cohabitating with my girlfriend. Like, I needed I needed someone to like step step into my life and like speak into this." Uh, and we've actually stopped now and like our relationship is so much better. Um, so I've seen that kind of withdrawal, but I've also seen the withdrawal um, that I was just speaking of that like 
it's the kind of withdrawal where it's like, yeah, the relationship actually takes steps back, and it's like because there, there wasn't the trust. Like I hadn't, mm-hmm. I hadn't proven to them that I cared about their their good, right? So in some ways, right, my life wasn't speaking what the words right. I was speaking at the start right. of, of your kind of model, the crucial conversation, which is like, I care about you, right. I love you, and I right. seek your good. If those words you think are going to fall on deaf ears, if if like you're looking at your you're assessing your relationship with the person you, and you think like yeah I actually I haven't proven to them at all yeah. that like this is anything more than lip service I think there's an extent to which people are probably going to reject those conversations um, totally. yeah that, yeah that, that brings something else that brings something else to mind and because like, I think it's exactly what you're saying is in like your life like the the conversation needs needs to make sense in the trajectory of your life together and the relationship together right like if yeah. it's just like a random data point and that's not following the trend of your relationship at all it's gonna it's not gonna fall well yeah but I was thinking when you said that is like the, one of the ways that I think crucial conversations goes wrong is that, right? So it, it meets the criteria. Like there's opposing views, like you said, of I believe this is right, you believe this is wrong. There's strong emotions of like it really hurts me or bugs me or frustrates me. And I know that my reaction to you frustrates you or whatever it is. Like there's strong emotions, strong and differing views. But the way that the conversation is supposed to happen is the person that opens it up, initiates it, is supposed to make themselves vulnerable and they end up making the other person vulnerable right and that's where it's not received well it's like if i'm coming to you and i'm and i'm so genuine and i allow myself to be fully open of like man when this happens it makes me feel like this or it makes me think this what do you say and i allow myself to be vulnerable it allows the other person to be vulnerable but usually when you're on the attack or the aggressive of there's something that you're doing that is just not right or there's something that you're doing that is frustrating you're making the other person vulnerable and when someone else is vulnerable they feel attacked and when they get attacked they feel defensive but it more often than not for sure for sure if the person initiating the conversation makes themselves vulnerable and and even puts themselves in the other person's hands of like here's here's the experience here's what I'm feeling what do you say about that? That will move the heart most of the time for the person receiving to be vulnerable back. Yes. But yes. it goes wrong when we try to come at the other person and make them vulnerable based on their behavior. Right. Does that make sense? Right. And I think that's where it always has to start in humility, right? Because, because humility, right, enables us to go in to be vulnerable ourselves because it admits that, that we aren't perfect, right? That, that we also are experiencing parts of us that are, that are yielded to sin, that need, like, correction, that need growth um and so if i'm not going into one of these conversations with humility that's why people don't receive it um so i think yeah that that virtue of humility is at the center of this i think this is a good place kind of to to reflect or to kind of uh i guess transition into to next week right because we're going to start um start next week for the month of april right giving these talks on, on apologetics and i think yeah it's so so important that when we talk about apologetics with people that we don't come in with this this mindset of like I have all the answers and you don't so why don't you listen to me right. teach you right but instead if you go in with like man like I've been just so fired up about this I'm learning about this and like yeah what like if we approach apologetics with this way of like man there's something so good that like I've been growing in but also I'm not perfect in it and like I've been wrestling with it and, I, and I'm, I'm loving talking about this and like I want to share this with you because like you know out of that place I think that's way different than going up and be like almost like trying to just like attack and and yeah. like attack so that you can like f- get into someone's like inner fortress and just destroy their position like mm-hmm. i feel like that's where no one ever receives that even if you're Absolutely. six thousand percent right Absolutely. you know and they're so wrong like 
like and and so yeah i'm excited for us to to have um these talks on apologetics the next few weeks in holy grounds because hopefully they can lead to, to prudent discussions of the faith and enable us both to strengthen our own faith but also to learn how to share it in love and in a way that fits this model of the crucial conversation yeah you're spot on you're spot on um i want to just finish by like on on that note um i want to recap again the structure of a crucial conversation right um and so you start with the heart seeing yourself seeing the person knowing yourself knowing the point of relationship okay and then making it safe right making the conversation safe to be had sitting down intentionally asking the person for permission hey can we talk about something that's been weighing on me um and then mutual purpose where is their common ground right so if you're talking to someone of a different denomination different faith saying hey i I know that we're both seeking after god and in the best way that we know how clarify intent is next i i want to just talk about something um that i think that like is usually misunderstood but if it was understood i think it would be so appreciated and valued uh, when it comes to the catholic church okay then then you move in um, into sharing the experience the effects and encouraging response right which is yeah in the last few years of being a catholic i've experienced like it's a sense of freedom when it comes to the sacrament of confession and the effect because the the effect is like when when i go to confession and i'm able to verbally say my sins there's a, there's a sense of like shame, like just being released, right? And there's a sense of being seen and being heard by God. And like, what what do you think about about just God designing something? The idea of God designing something so that we could experience a um, a freedom from shame in that way because He knows our humanity. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that's just it's just a different way. Yes, like there's a theological way, but a more heart to heart, like person to person. And how much better would that conversation go? Right. Right. Yeah, and I, and I think that's where it, if you open if you open the conversation that way, it leaves room, right? Absolutely. It leaves room for all the theological stuff because it is important to have clarity of thought and to like be able to to speak um, into these different ways that like that you know the truths of the church with clarity and conviction, but that but they take place not from a place of like I cannot wait to dunk on everyone with the truth, <laughs> right? But instead, like okay. Yeah, this is this is why this this truth like actually matters. This is where I've seen it in my life. Going in, acknowledging the goodness of the other person, you know, making it a safe place to talk about it, and then and then from there, those those truths can come out as the conversation develops. Mm-hmm. So, Amen. look forward to it for the next few weeks, baby. But yeah, thank y'all so much for, for tuning in today, and we look forward to, to talking soon. Woo! Excited for your talk, Trevor. Yes, sir. Welcome to Sooner Catholic Podcast. Uh, my name is Trevor Breck. I'm here with... Okay, cut that. They know who I am. They listen every week. Uh, 